All right, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 today. If you want to turn there, the Seed Bibles, I think it's page 612-ish or something around there. Look at there as well. First Corinthians chapter six, verses one to eleven says this. When one of you has a grievance against one another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between you, the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for your word and um, thankful for its direction and wisdom for our lives. Thankful for the way it speaks so relevantly to our situations and circumstances and gives us guidance. God, we yield this time to you. We thank you for our time of worship and we thank you for our time to fellowship. And um, God, now we just yield ourselves to you in the spirit to hear from your holy word. And God, I yield myself as I speak that um, you would speak plainly through me. That your kingdom would advance, that your glory would be known in clear water pray this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, today we're talking about lawsuits, which is something you always come to church to hear about, lawsuits. Um, we've been in a series on 1 Corinthians, which is actually the result of a series on Acts. And uh, we're in a series on Acts for months and months and months. And uh, we got to a point in the series where Paul began his missionary journeys across the Mediterranean. He was going from city to city, preaching that in Christ we can have salvation and can be reconciled to God. And so 
Uh, during this time, he's gone to a number of different cities along the way across the Mediterranean. One of those cities is the, the city of Corinth. Uh, and so as we've reached a city in which Paul has written a letter to that city, we've jumped off and done these little side projects or whatever. We're not in any hurry to finish Acts. We're just going along as it seems logical to us. And so, uh, so now we're in Corinth, uh, and Paul is writing a letter back to a city that he'd previously visit- visited. He spent more time in Corinth than, uh, than most of the cities that he visited. He probably spent 18 months there uh, during his missionary journey speaking to the city of Corinth. And we've learned a lot about Corinth. Uh, we've learned that uh, it's a city that was made of freed men from Rome. So the people, people that couldn't hack it in Rome basically got kicked out and sent to this city that wasn't a city even and reestablished it as the city of Corinth. Um, and so they were freed men, but they weren't the elites of Rome, and they weren't elite enough to stay there, so they got shipped off to Corinth. Um, so Corinth is, is very prideful because they're very successful individuals, but they were also sort of you know, given the boot from Rome, and so there's this pride that is developed among them to develop their own culture. Uh, it's also very idolatrous. It's the home of uh, the temple to Aphrodite, uh, so you know, just prostitution rampant within the community because of this, uh, this worship of uh, this, uh, this, this god, uh, Aphrodite. And so, um, so that was sort of a backdrop of Corinth. And uh, we've learned that, that the church there um, is very small amongst a big city. This city, Corinth, is probably the third largest city in the Roman Empire at this time behind Alexandria and Rome. Somewhere between 100,000 and 600,000 people uh, live there. And the church that Paul is writing to is just a very small piece of that. And so they are engulfed by this culture. They are uh, at, at the highest estimate of the church in Corinth at this time is around 200 people. So 200 people in the midst of 600,000 potentially is a very small community. And so Paul is writing back to them, admonishing them and encouraging them and trying to speak to them that you cannot be influenced by the culture around you, even though it seems so vast and large. And even though some of you were from that culture, you have now been called out to something different. And so Paul spent his first four chapters uh, really explaining to them that the wisdom of man is very different than the wisdom of God. They're two separate things. And the problem that the, uh, the Corinthians have had is that as they, rev- as they have received Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior, uh, they have began to follow leaders within the church. And as a result, they have treated those leaders as wise sages and thus treated the gospel as just another piece of human wisdom. And so Paul is saying, you treat the gospel as if it's just another piece of human wisdom, but it is completely separate from human thinking. Human thinking does not uh, come up with a God who comes to earth and dies for you. That is an action that God has taken on your behalf. That is not a philosophy that has originated from within a man. And so Paul is saying these are two separate things. In one hand, you've got human philosophy that is thinking about origin in some way. In the other hand, you have a God who has physically come and died for you on a cross. One is a matter of God's action. Another is a matter of just human thinking. And so the Corinthians have, uh, Paul is trying to sort out this difference. And one of the key things that he's trying to tell them is that now that you are in Christ, your behavior has to change. You can't be the same person you were before. You have to operate uh, as one who has received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He has transformed your life. He has changed who you are, and it affects everything that you do. Um, The second error that the Corinthians had was that 
uh, they had received these great spiritual gifts and they had advanced in, in some way in knowledge and they got puffed up. They got proud of the, of the things they had attained and they actually thought that they had arrived somehow, that they actually were in some way angels uh, in spiritual arrival. And so they actually thought that their bodies uh, were nothing. It had no meaning or purpose at all. So they could do whatever they want in their body because their spirit was uh, whole. And so they separated their spirit from their body in their thinking about things. And so Paul's saying, no, like those things are together. Your spirit, your spiritual understanding of your relationship with God directly affects how you operate in life. And so, uh, so we have seen over the past uh, last week and then this week, and really through the rest of uh, most of the book of Corinthians, we will see uh, Paul addressing this idea that the gospel affects every area of our life. And like we mentioned last week, you know, last week we talked about incest. This week we're talking about lawsuits. Next week we're talking about uh, uh, singleness or, or, or about marriage. The following week about singleness and on and on head coverings and uh, all sorts of things, you know, that Paul is addressing and saying, listen, uh, your belief in Jesus affects your actual living on this earth. If you divorce the two, it makes no sense of your life. And so Paul is addressing these very uh, practical things. And um, one of the things that I want to, to be as a statement that we carry across all of this practical teaching uh, is this. And, and I sort of landed on this this week as I was working through these, uh, this lawsuit passage. It, and it's this. It's that all of our actions must be directed by our kingdom inheritance in Christ Jesus. Our kingdom inheritance in Christ crucified. Um, you see, the, the Corinthians were caught up in their, really in their kingdom inheritance. They thought that they had had it all and that they didn't need to do anything. They just had this kingdom inheritance and that they had arrived somehow already. And so that's good. Yeah, true. There, there is a kingdom inheritance. You have, you have, you have grown and that's positive. Um, but that is in light of what has been done for you. And what has been done for you is that Jesus has been crucified for you. And so Paul, as he's speaking through these things, I believe the thing that he's saying is that our kingdom inheritance, which is real, is only received through Christ and him crucified. And so we can't boast in uh, the, the greatness of ourselves and what we have, though we have it. We boast in what has given it to us in Christ crucified. And so uh, as we look at these very practical issues, uh, we come to this statement that all of our actions must be directed by our kingdom inheritance in Christ crucified. And that even applies to lawsuits. <laughs> uh, apparently, in the, the Corinthian church, okay, they were having lawsuits among one another. I mean, look at verses 1 uh, to 6 again. When one of you has a grievance against one another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world and the world will be judged by you? Are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Um, what's happening among the brothers in this small church is that they're taking on a piece of the culture. Uh, the culture actually, as a means of entertainment in Corinth, you would actually go watch trials. They'd happen in the marketplace and uh, you could actually 
if you wanted to be on a jury of a trial, you just like show up like you would show up at a temp agency in the morning to work construction or whatever. You just show up. And if you were selected to be on the jury, you were paid for that day and you got to be a part of the jury. And the juries weren't like ours. They were like between 40 and 600 people, depending on the type of case. So lots of people deciding this case and people would go for entertainment. Um, and so that reminded me of something. And uh, just bear with me while I get this technology uh, worked out. And uh, I gotta, I've got something that you've just got to see. It just, this is exactly what this reminded me of. And, uh, and so here you go. Let's see if we can be techie here and pull up this awesome video. This is what it reminds me of. All right, now I'm going to give you this other one that's a representative of an actual case here. And now the next case. All parties in the matter of Powell versus Rust. 25-year-old Brenda Powell is suing her ex-roommate, Angela Rust, for breaching their rental agreement. Thank you, Bert. Miss Powell, this used to be your roommate. Correct. How long did you share an apartment together? Um, it was a period of about five months, but it was right. supposed to have been 13. And then, according to your complaint, owing to problems that were generated by the defendant, you had to move. I had no choice, yes. And you moved into another apartment, and the rent on that apartment was more than your half of the rent on the apartment that you shared together. So you want her to pay the difference on your one-bedroom apartment that you have to pay now because she wasn't a good roommate. Correct. That's not a case. So, sorry to tell you, we don't do cases like that because it's ridiculous. If you wanted to move back with your mother, you could have done that. Who are you? Friend, Natalie. Natalie, do you have an apartment? I do. You could have moved in with Natalie. Yeah. In any event, there is no cause of action for paying the difference between the roommate's half and your apartment now. Do you understand? There's no, no cause of action for yes, that. there is. I was forced to move into the one bedroom. My only other option was to break the lease and pay $7,500. Well, then maybe you should, have, I then maybe you should have done I'm speaking. Then Sorry. maybe you should have done that. And then you might have had a cause of action. But I wouldn't have But you don't have a cause of action by moving into a one bedroom and asking her to pay the difference. That doesn't happen. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> seriously, um, as, as Paul is talking about trivial cases, this is what we're talking about. Like, this is the type of case that might have been happening in Corinth where someone is coming to sue someone because they're offended by the way their rent worked out or the way their business deal worked out or something. And the fact is, our culture loves this. Like, I don't know about you, but I, like, 
I was thinking about this as, as an illustration and got caught up in looking at the stories and the different Judge Judy cases that are out there on YouTube. And man, it's amazing. It's an amazing world. I don't know about, I don't know how much time you've watched Judge Judy, but wow, that's a great slice of, a slice of entertainment. It's similar to our discussion on cops, right? It all fits in really well. <laughs> um, so, um, so anyway, so the Corinthians were taking this sort of case before people. And so Paul is saying, uh, are none of you wise enough to discern what to do in a situation like this? I mean, seriously, you're roommates with one another, and this is okay. This is a Christian and a Christian that may be roommates together. Let's say that, let's say that both these girls were Christians, right? And uh, followers of Jesus have received Jesus through his sacrifice on the cross, have a kingdom inheritance from him, and they have a dispute because whatever reason, their rent is, they, they need to leave, you know? Is there no one wise enough among you to come to you two ladies and say, hey, girls, let's just split this up and figure out a good way, or, wise enough to do this? And Paul, this is his most snide remark to the Corinthians, actually. Um, to say that uh, is, is uh, no one there, verse 5, I say to your shame, can it be that there is no one among you who is wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers? The Corinthians had really like elevated themselves to the point where they thought they were wise. They thought they were puffed up. They thought actually Paul was not wise, that Paul's ministry was not effective and not important, and they puffed themselves up with their wisdom. And so Paul in this statement is saying, is none of you wise enough to discern this trivial matter? But you go to law against one another before those who don't even, haven't even experienced the grace of Jesus. Why do you do this? What we learn from this is, is that simple truth that all of our actions ought to be directed by our kingdom inheritance in Christ crucified. I mean, in this simple illustration, right, what's the, what's the deal? A couple hundred bucks. In some cases, one case I looked at, you know, it was a $500 settlement. You know, what's $500? I mean, that's, that's big, okay? It, it's, a, it's a lot of money. But in the scheme of all of your life, 500 bucks, you're going to go to court over that? Um, a trivial case. Why? And so Paul's logic here as he explains the gospel is, listen, you have the kingdom as an inheritance. Like at the end of the li- this life, you're going to spend eternity with the creator of all the universe in his kingdom. He's going to give you all things. Paul has already said that you inherit the whole world, all of life, death, uh, the present, the future. All these things are yours in Christ Jesus. He's given them to you, all things. So why, why are you squabbling against these little trivial matters? In fact, even taking your cases before unbelievers and, and demonstrating how foolish you are that you can't resolve these things. And so Paul's message to them is, First of all, you have this kingdom inheritance, so, so why do you need to worry about this small little matter? Second of all, the reason you got that inheritance is because Jesus went to a cross for you. Like Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for you, died the worst death of anybody, took on your sin for you, took on the punishment for you in that, and you want to squabble about this little trivial matter. What does that say about us? And Paul is, uh, is, is really just livid with them uh, for, for doing this sort of thing in this manner. He says in verse 7, 
To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Paul says, listen, uh, you're wronging and defrauding each other. This is a defeat for you that you would go to law against each other. He even says, listen, you are wise enough. You have the tools to solve these situations, any of these situations. Uh, He says that in the future, actually, your role will be to judge the entire world because of what Christ has done in you. And in fact, that you will judge angels, he said. I don't know if you caught that, but um, Paul is saying that at the end times, like you will judge the fallen angels on their behavior. Are you not wise enough to settle this simple matter? And so I think um, the direction for us in, in this is, is similar to the direction we looked at in last week in that as we're resolving these matters, what needs to happen is simple church discipline. And we talked about that word. It's sort of an ugly word, discipline, you know, but, you know, parents know we got to do it, and it's an important thing. And it's important in the church. It's important among one another as well that we have a proper method of church discipline. So when uh, a brother and a brother have a dispute with each other, they need to resolve it in a wise manner. And what is that wise manner? Well, that wise manner has been given to us plainly, and it's this, um, that if I have a dispute with Sam, I go to him and say, hey, Sam, like, uh, you really offended me by cutting your beard off a little bit. I really liked it when it was longer, you know? <laughs> um, and so if I have a dispute with him, I go to him individually and, and voice my dispute. And if it can't be resolved there, uh, Jesus tells us that I should bring a couple other brothers and we should come and say, Sam, like, really, like, you really need to change this behavior. And this is why, and this is the importance of it. And we have a discussion. If he still doesn't repent and he's been given all that information, then we actually take the whole church and the whole church goes and says, Sam, like, this is really important. You really need to change this. Uh, this is important that you resolve this and, and that you repent for what, is, what has happened and, and make a resolution. And if he doesn't do that, then we say, you're ignoring the truth and wisdom of God. You're ignoring the truth and wisdom of your community. And I need to ask you to leave. And so that's church discipline. Um, Jesus also talks about in one situation that if you're in a lawsuit, if someone sues you, hurry before and try and resolve it before you go to court. That's his, that's his instruction to us is don't go to court. Okay, Try not to go to court at all costs. Try not to go. Try to resolve it outside. Go Go to that uh, person and, and resolve before, because if you don't, you're going to stand before the judge, okay? And the judge is going to decide. It might not be Judge Judy. It'll be, you know, maybe Judge Wapner or, you know, I don't know. Um, the judge is going to decide, and you're going to be at the mercy of the judge. And that's not really a place you want to be, okay? So resolve your differences is what he's calling us to. And Paul is call, calling the Corinthians to. He says, you have the wisdom with which to resolve these things. Now, um, I do want to say, I think there are situations where lawsuits are important, and this is in no way a degradation of our judicial system. It is an important thing, uh, but what Paul is getting at here is these trivial matters, and even big situations uh, that are difficult, brothers ought to be able to reconcile and resolve those things outside of court situations. In fact, you know, in our society, there are situations where judicial process is the only means of resolving a resolution. If you have a, a, a malpractice suit against a hospital, the hospital actually legally cannot pay out any, uh, any you know, uh, compensation for malpractice without an order from the law. And so they, they can't just take it on, oh, we messed up, here's the payment. 
uh, they actually have to have a court order for that money to be released. It's like it's the part of the system, okay? So there are situations uh, where you're going to encounter the law, and that's a, that's a fine thing. But what Paul is getting at here is that brothers should not be going to brother about these simple property disputes that are so small in significance to the kingdom inheritance that you have as brothers. And so Paul is saying, you know, listen, you have the wisdom to, uh, to walk in this and to provide judgment in this. Um, so I want to wrap up with this. If, if we don't walk in S- our, our reality of what the future is for us, how will our brothers who don't, uh, don't actually know Jesus come to know him? The fact is, as we've talked about last week, uh, if you're in a church setting, the reality is that there are some in a church fellowship that may not know Jesus as their Savior, okay? May not have placed their trust in Him. And, uh, and if we don't resolve those matters uh, with, with a view of eternity and take that opportunity to, to share what this change that Christ has made in our life is, we risk saying that, you know, it's okay that this behavior is happening and, uh, and you, sh- you could just keep on going with this. Um, and, and we risk uh, the opportunity to share the gospel even to our community. And so uh, it's important for us to walk in that, that reality of what we have in the end uh, in all of our decisions. Uh, second, this, we, we should so care uh, for the eternal existence of our brothers that we go to them when we have an offense. If there's an offensive among us, we have to uh, have the uh, wisdom enough and the courage enough to confront offenses between us. Uh, too often, especially I think as men, uh, we just want to sweep things under the rug and like hold it within ourselves and not resolve any conflict that we might have with one another. And the truth is like we need to man up and go to each other if there's a, something to resolve and say, listen, I've got this problem like you said this and, you know, I didn't really get what you were going with there or are you offending me in this manner? Like we need to have the, uh, the, the, uh, the strength and courage to address those things because it's important as we address those issues that are among us, we see the heart of one another. And if our heart is bad and we need Jesus, you know, that's an opportunity to share that and to be refined and grown in, in the spirit. And so we have to so care for our eternal existence of one another that we go to each other when there is a conflict and not just sweep it under the rug and let it, let it fester and, and become bitterness within ourselves. Um, second, uh, we should not seek to gain or defraud, uh, but rather to seek wholeness. The fact is here that uh, these individuals are trying to defraud one another and they're trying to uh, use the law as a means to fulfill their greediness. And that's really where the problem in lawsuits is for Christians, is that we're using it as a means of greediness to obtain more wealth and property for ourselves. And that's not what it's about. Even the Old Testament law is about restoring wholeness. So if there's a matter between you, it's about restoring wholeness. If there's uh, you know, a situation where someone's hurt you or someone's hurt some of your property, all you have to do is restore wholeness, right? That's the simple thing. I'm sorry, I, you know, like the big example in the Old Testament is oxes, <laughs> oxen. So if I hurt your ox, then, uh, and, and, you know, I, I acknowledge that I'm the one that hurt that. I need to provide you another ox. I just need to provide wholeness, right? I provide what I broke as much as I'm able. And so um, that's the purpose of the law. We should not seek to gain off the law, but rather to seek wholeness. Um, and finally, this. When we're unsure about what to do in matters of conflict, we need to err on the side of our eternal inheritance. If you've got like a, 
a check in your spirit about what to do about a matter that, that might involve property or money or, or a situation between a brother, err on the side of the eternal inheritance that you have in Christ. Give grace. <laughs> extend grace where you have to extend it. We realize that God has given uh, immeasurable grace to us. And so if you're worried about which direction you should go in one of these disputes, err on the side of grace, not on the side of personal gain. With that, I want to close again with this. All of our actions, whether legal actions or otherwise, ought to be directed by our kingdom inheritance in Christ and Christ crucified. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, what you've done in our lives. We thank you for Jesus God, we know that uh, we know each of us in our hearts that there is a penalty to be paid for our sinful nature. We know that we're broken, that we miss the mark, that we um, offend each other, that we step on each other's toes, that we hurt one another intentionally, that uh, that we do these things, that we have negative thoughts about each other, that we um, God, that we wish harm on one another. God, we can simply look at the headlines of our world and know that we are broken deeply. And so, God, we are so grateful, eternally grateful that though we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Jesus took on our penalty. There was a judgment against us, a sentence to be paid by us, a debt that we owed, and Jesus took it on. he paid it for us. So God, we are thankful and we rejoice in that truth. We rejoice that he has bought us an eternal inheritance. And rejoice even more that he did it by taking on the penalty we deserve. Lord, it is my prayer that, that this week, that myself, that all of us, our actions would not be from our self, selfish interest, from our self-preservation, from our self-focused life. For our own comfort, for our own glory, for our little kingdom that we're building, that our actions wouldn't be for those things, Lord, but that our actions would be directed by what you have given us in eternity and the means through which you've given it to us, through Jesus crucified. Why not suffer wrong for the good of those around us? Why not be defrauded that someone might know the love of Jesus? Why not extend grace 
in difficult circumstances as you have done for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.